Welcome to Right to Life of Michigan's Life Beat. I'm your host today, Chris Gast, and joining me, barely containing their laughter is and sadness, is uh, Anna Visser and Grace Hemmeke. Ladies, good morning. Good morning. A <laughs> uh, rough week for the pro-life movement uh, overall. So today we're going to talk about uh, the elections kind of in the state, nationally, Proposal 3, and what's coming down the road. So I guess just to set the table, I think we're going to spend most of the time talking about Proposal 3, but we'll see. Uh, Nationally, it was uh, people said there was going to be a red tsunami and didn't quite materialize right now, it looks like, the but the Republicans will control uh, the U.S. House and uh, the Senate will either remain 50-50 tied or the Republicans will take control based, once again, on the Georgia Senate runoff election. Uh, at least Michigan can be glad they don't have the runoff election because after you have one election, then suddenly you get thrown into another election and the ads will continue until morale improves. Hmm. I guess I didn't know they did that. Yeah, well, I mean, the runoff system's interesting. So if you don't get 50%, then they take the top two candidates and they duke it out. Um, but yeah, that means election season is like Groundhog Day, you know. The ad executive sees his shadow and six more weeks of revenue mm-hmm. or however many when, days it is. When, is. when do they decide? I think it's 40 days. I'm not sure. We don't have to worry about it because we don't have runoffs in Michigan. Right. However, in Michigan, we have a lot to worry about. Uh, well, before we get to there, um, and, and this kind of dovetails into what we faced with Proposal 3, you know, uh, pro-lifers didn't have a great night in a lot of states in terms of amendments. Uh, you know, candidates in states that enacted abortion bans, they did fine. You know, Florida, Ron DeSantis, you know, did fine in Texas once again. Greg Abbott defeats Beta O'Rourke, who managed to waste more money than Croesus on. You know, I did see campaign. somewhere that every governor that had previously enforced a abortion laws after Roe mm-hmm. was overturned, they all got reelected. Yeah, so, so that's, that's good news. We saw uh, some red getting redder and some blue getting bluer, except in places like New York. Uh, New York, the the Republicans did pretty well there because of how uh, they messed up their redistricting, and I guess the governor candidate Lee Zeldin did well. In any case, yeah, uh, in California, their version of our proposal three passed, and Vermont's did. Um, in Kentucky, they, like Kansas, tried to do a constitutional amendment that says the Constitution is abortion neutral. Voters voted that down. And then in Montana, they tried to do a law that, you know, kind of like our Born Alive uh, Infant Protection Act. However, I, I mean, I didn't go into the wording. It was a little kind of convoluted with wording. And what the other side did is said, well, I mean, this is going to force doctors to provide treatment to dying infants where it's not you know, medically appropriate and whatnot, and that lost in Montana. So a real tough night for pro-lifers, and I think the bottom line there with that is, you know, we, we have these proposals or we're opposing these proposals. We want to talk about what the proposals will actually do, 
And what the other side does is they call up George Soros and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, and they airdrop in tens of millions of dollars, in the case of Michigan, $40 million, which is an eye-popping sum. You know, we told people the race, you know, the campaign for the, you know, might be 50 or $100 million. And uh, yeah, it was basically $70 million was spent on Proposal 3, which is astounding. But what they do is they, they, they airdrop all this money in, and it's from California, New York billionaires who are obsessed with population control. And I know on the podcast, we've done some episodes talking about that. And that's something the pro-life movement really has to figure out going forward. But when they run against or for these ballot amendments, they don't talk about what they're going to do. They talk about women dying. Like, uh, they talk about what's not actually in the bill. And they mm-hmm. mischaracterize the pro-life position entirely. And we, at right now, just don't have the money to compete with Warren Buffett. Does anyone here know Elon Musk? Could they, um, you know, if he's going to spend that much on Twitter, you know, a That's couple true. billion, he could throw us a couple million yeah. next time? <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, uh, before we talk about Proposal 3, let's just talk about Michigan elections really quick. So um, it was a very high turnout. It was the highest turnout uh, gubernatorial election in Michigan history, I believe or at least in the last few decades. Um, Governor Whitmer outspent Tudor Dixon. It'll be interesting to see the final numbers, but something like 10 to 1. And basically, Democrats got 55% of the vote, and Republicans got 45%. We saw that in most of the the top-of-the-ticket races, right on down to Proposal 3. Uh, So running 10 points behind. you know, the top of the Republican ticket was just not very strong, and they didn't have a lot of fundraising to compete. Uh, the Michigan Republican Party didn't have a very good election year with unity and organizing. Um, Democrats who, the, I thought this was an interesting statistic, uh, Democrats who funded Republican primary campaigns because they were trying to get, you know, the easiest candidate for them to beat, uh, every single campaign they did that in, they won. At so least their strategy on state worked, or net. basically. Now, that, now, I have to say, that's an extremely gutsy strategy, giving the other side money. I mean, were they open that that's what they were doing, or did we just catch them? Mm, pretty much. I mean, they weren't open. They weren't, like, bragging about it, but anyone who cared to look into it could quickly see that, yes, the Democrats were funding specific Republicans, uh, and they won 100% of those races. So ridiculously gutsy, but apparently ridiculously effective. And that included some races in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. I, I have to ask, could those candidates have turned away Democratic funding? Well, it would have been foolish for them to do that. True. Because, you know, they're running primaries. But however, maybe it would have been smarter of them to, I don't know. Well, I can't say how they all spent it. But instead of maybe spending that money attacking their opponent in the primary, they could have turned that money around and highlighted how nuts their possible general election opponent is 
and maybe contrast themselves with that rather than talk about how their Republican primary opponent is bad. Yeah, it seems like a red flag if your opponent's telling you, yeah, do that. That's a good thing. And then you go ahead and do that. That's yeah. That doesn't seem intelligent. It doesn't, mm. but it worked. <laughs> it did. So in Michigan, we we lost the governor's race, the attorney general's race, the which are both impactful, the secretary of state's race, uh, pro-abortion control of the Supreme Court remains four to three. We did get Brian Zara reelected, uh, current Supreme Court justice, so that is helpful. Uh, but yeah, they still have a four to three majority in the Supreme Court. They won the state legislature in terms of the House, and then the Senate, interestingly, is tied. With the lieutenant governor as the deciding vote if they're tied. I know in the past when they've had split control that they've done like one week, this was years ago, back before term limits, I think, or they had like one week where the Republicans ran the show, and then the next week the Democrats ran the show, and those are friendlier times in Michigan politics, um, back before term limits, before the dark. No, I'm just kidding. We don't, <laughs> we don't take a position on that at all, so I won't personally start to... We, lecture we could that. say the stats for Arlem Pack endorsed candidates. We endorsed 230 candidates, mm -hmm. I believe, and 173 of them won in their race. So that is a 75% win rate, which is average. It's a little, it's a little below average. It's not nearly Majority. the worst. However, at the it's the local races, you know, that's great, but it's all the top of the state and packful stuff. Right. That now we have so many challenges. And many of those challenges are going to co uh, come in the form of Proposal 3, which did pass. I didn't see the final percentage vote. Did either of you? Um, I think it was 40 to 55, 55 or something like that. Now, the other side was saying it was going to pass easily by 20 points, 60, 40. I mean, at some point, it was like 47. It was pretty close at like midnight. It was. I, when I we think... were driving home, remember, we were mm -hmm. like, oh, it's kind of close right now. I mean, not close, but. Right. In the initial poll, I believe they were up 67% to like 20-something percent. Yeah, that, that was not the case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we did work. We outworked them on the ground. We had way more yard signs. We knocked on more doors. I don't know about phone calls and direct mail and texts and all that, but uh, we did all that, and there were other pro-life groups out there in our coalition and even outside the coalition that were that were doing that. I think we had, like, there's, like, three or four versions of no on three signs that I've seen. Yeah. Not including homemade ones. Um, and I think I can count on, on my two hands the number of yes on three signs I saw, you know, even doing knocking on hundreds of doors myself and, and doing all those things. I did go to Traverse City last weekend, and they were everywhere. Really? In Traverse City? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But uh, the bottom line is... You know, they called up their friend Georgie Soros and Michael Warren Bloomfield. Buffet and, oh, yeah, Michael Bloom, uh, yeah, the governor of uh, New York. And they delivered, and they outspent us 
probably more than two to one in advertising. And um, very heavily at the end, when the campaign finance reports, did we talk about this on the previous podcast? It was not here, so I don't oh. know. Then you didn't listen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but they, they had, in the final week to go, we had $0 million and were raising money to stay in the fight, and they had $10 million on hand. Right. I That's mean, they, usually how much is spent on an entire campaign. They had campaign. enough money to pay their door knockers. They're, yeah, they were texting people at the end. Here's 50 bucks. You know, Go, go te- text yeah. some friends. It wasn't even door knocking. Like, go text some friends. Here's 50 bucks. That's insane. That's crazy. Like, they just had money to throw away, basically. Right. And their message that they spent this fortune on was, I think you can kind of say they're focusing on two points. The first point was that uh, Proposal 3 was going to repeal the 1931 law. And that's it. That's all it's going to do. It's not going to touch any other law. I mean, they straight up promised, like they said, Mm -hmm. and we have the records, and we will be reminding people, as we'll get into in a minute here, that they said that it was not going to affect any other law. Right. So just the 1931 law. And then their second point was, if we don't pass Proposal 3, then this 1931 law is going to go into effect, even though it's blocked by the Supreme Court, even though with their Supreme Court win, it would have never gone into effect. Uh, they said it's going to go into effect, and then women in emergency medical situations aren't going to get treatment, they're going to die. Which is 100% false, because the 1931 law has a 100% solid life of the mother exception. It says, preserve the life of the mother. Yes. I know a lot of the, the other side try to say, well, that's kind of vague. Like, well, it has to be because there are situations it's not entirely clear and it's the doctor making those situations the law is very clear it's prosecuting uh, abortionists when there is an intent to cause an abortion not to deal with emergency medical situations but but I mean that's interesting they didn't they didn't run on first trimester abortions really they didn't run on abortions for convenience. They didn't run on getting rid of parental consent. They didn't run on tax-funded abortions. They didn't run on getting rid of waiting periods. Like, they didn't actually run at all on what they want to do. They ran on basically lying about their position and saying that our position on the life of the mother didn't actually exist. Well, they ran a fear campaign on the momentum of Dobbs, right? Right. Right. They Yeah, they used that to, to convince voters, Which, many voters, that it was going to be the end of the world. And I find it hard to believe that that's a not all connected. Like they, like the leak, which we still don't know who did. Just knew that all Sonia of Sonia Sotomayor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if that had never happened, I don't think we would be in this position. Because they wouldn't have received their signatures. They received all those signatures after the leak. Most of them, yeah. 85% of them. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I just don't... The chain of reaction... 
from that. Well, and then they had to leak it because the the other side was woefully unprepared. You know, they got to the right. oral they arguments to, in they December. They needed to give them a heads up. Yeah, and then they that freaked it was out. happening. They needed to give states like Michigan a heads up, and they knew they probably were specifically thinking of states like Michigan in this circumstance. I don't know. Well, I find it hard to believe it's not all connected. It is. It's a shadowy. It's a shadowy cabal. It's not even shadowy cabal. It's Warren Buffett. Like, yep, I'm gonna donate to abortion. That's what it is. Um, well, maybe just consider if they don't care that that's out in the open. What's what else is under wraps? What a great segue, Anna, into <laughs> our main topic today. So, Proposal Three is in the Michigan Constitution. Uh, and uh, basically putting all of our laws dealing with abortion and anything related to pregnancy uh, at risk. And the other side, minutes before the polls were closed, you know, we're still out there saying it's not gonna change any other law. They said that any other law, they were absolutely 100% unambiguously clear that proposal three in their view, only affects, even though what they said in the, you know, the beginning of the campaign, they just gaslit people into believing that didn't actually happen, um, only affects that 1931 law. That's it. It's just codifying Roe. When we pass this, Roe will be codified and everything will be good and it's just the 1931 law and there still be parental consent and blah, blah, blah. Hours, minutes after the polls closed, and voters had their say, then they, uh, in, the, in the media, they're not just saying this quietly and we like caught this on a hot mic, they're like openly saying to the media like, yeah, well now we need to codify Proposal 3. Like, wait, you said it codifies Roe and now you're saying, oh, no, now we gotta codify, so we have to codify the codify, codif the codification? How's that work? Cod codify squared, you know, what? Stupid! I hate that tagline. First of all, I hate the word codify. It just sounds awful. But it does. But uh, yeah, they're codifying the the codification. Um, they said uh, we're gonna have to adjust. You know, and these aren't just random people. They so this was Nicole Wells Stallworth, who is like the president of their uh, Planned Parenthood's uh, political organization in Michigan. I think that she claimed to be one of the authors of it. They interviewed a pro-abortion state uh, representative, Julie Brixie. They talked to someone from some, one of those, you know, uh, national groups that deal with abortion laws. It, you know, and they're like, they said, yeah, we have to adjust Michigan abortion laws. We're going to have to codify Proposal 3. Uh, they're like, I mean, oh, they yeah, the, 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 the wait, the 24-hour the waiting period, that's got to go because of Proposal 3. Coverage. Oh, yeah, and you're going to have to pay for abortions yeah. through your health insurance plan. That's got to go because of Proposal 3. They didn't wait. They didn't wait a day. They didn't wait a half a day. Mm -hmm. You know, they just, they brave. People who are listening, I'm sure some people who are listening uh, voted for Proposal 3. They lied to you. And they don't you, care. If you ever want to know if they lied to you, just go read uh, Bridge. Just yeah, yeah, Bridge. yeah. It seems like uh, Bridge, Michigan, uh, you know, the news websites manages to catch them every time they do this. But 
No, but the Detroit News interview too, like, they lied to you. Th their respect for your intelligence and focus as a voter is so low. Which is funny because they kept saying, you guys are saying I'm stupid because you're saying it's too confusing and I can't understand it. Well, clearly you didn't. Yeah, th their opinion of you, voters of Proposal 3, is so low, like core of the earth below the ground low, that they waited no time to just admit that everything they were saying during the campaign was a complete and utter lie to mislead you into voting for it. And now that you have, they just think that they're going to get away with it and they don't care and they just think that you're going to go along with it. That's the level of respect they have for you as a human person. You are a number on a spreadsheet. You are a number in their voting column. You were a vote. And the reporters, too. And that's what bugs me. I mean, I didn't expect otherwise. But the reporters who ran these fact checks and said, oh, no, they're right. Proposal Great 3 isn't going to affect all these laws. It's not going to repeal anything. Um, you know, they're just going to continue. Some of them are just going to continue gaslighting and say, oh, well, no, no Proposal 3 really was going to affect all these laws, you know. I think we predicted this a couple days ago, but they kept saying, oh, no, it's not going to repeal parental consent laws, not going to do that. But now that they want to do that, I think they're going to get reporters to say, well, parental consent laws aren't, aren't actually good and we shouldn't have them anyway, so we need to get rid of them. So I'm kind of surprised they took that route before getting it passed of saying, oh no, like we need parental consent laws. I think it's because they knew a lot of people supported them, obviously, but I, I think they can get the reporters on their side, but I don't know about people in Michigan. Go ahead, Grace, before I continue. <laughs> I was gonna say that is one of the few things that actually gives me hope here, is they're not using a coherent message. It doesn't make sense. It only works now and with no long-term long-term site they they won't be able to maintain that are people forever. gonna remember that though because i just think about covid and how people quickly forgot how our governor handled it and then went and voted for her are people gonna remember this i hope so well uh we will definitely remember forever we have a long 49 year plus memory and we remember all of these things and we'll continue to remind people but i mean i'll just say some people the, the question is how many of that 55 percent voting block you know if we can peel away a quarter of that then we're good uh but if we can't then it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until we hit rock bottom so, and who knows where rock bottom is because Proposal 3 pretty much lets anything fly. Now, I will say during the campaign, now these are the hardcore activists for Proposal 3. So this is not your average Michigan voter, but when you would show them that Bridge article where the authors of Proposal 3 say that it will get rid of parental consent, I mean, the responses they would get back is, oh, well, you shared a, a, a you know link and I'm not even going to read it. And then you share them a screenshot. It's, oh, well, you shared a screenshot. Where's the link? Why are you hiding it? <laughs> then when they, you know, you read it like, oh, it says backers. It doesn't say authors. Like, uh -huh. yeah. And then it's like, and then when you get to the point past these stupid objections, which, I mean, most of these people are just like paid to be this stupid and 
take away time. You get to the point where they're just like, oh, well, they didn't say that. You know? I mean, some of them were saying, good, we don't need parental consent. There was a few that At were the saying end. That, yeah. Yeah, they're willing to say I mean, they already have saying few. that they're going to get rid of the 24-hour waiting period and right. tax the they didn't. They didn't even wait 24 hours to get rid of to say they're going to get rid of the 24 hour waiting period. And their their uh, attorney said, "I don't foresee any challenges in the courts happening from this." Really? <laughs> that guy should be disbarred for general lack of intelligence. I mean, how long do we think it's going to be before one pops up? Not very far. No. Well, one of the challenges, though, is in order to have a lawsuit, you have to actually try to enforce the law against someone. So there's an actual case or controversy. And with uh, Governor Whitmer and Attorney General, Attorney General Jana Nessel and the control of the legislature, the question is, are they even going to enforce any laws anyway? If, if we catch you know, abortion facility, like, violating health and safety rules, and we bring that forward, would Dana Nessel, Dana Nessel's on record saying, I'm never going to prosecute an abortionist for anything, basically. Right. So it's almost like... I mean, it, we're going to have to have public, the public weigh in right. on that and right. be outraged so, for anything to happen with that. Yeah, so that is our immediate mission moving forward. Some people are like, what, what's next for the pro-life movement in Michigan? Well, uh, right now we have to hold them accountable because they gave the voters their word only the 1931 law. Now, we know that was a blatant lie. I'm sure we some try of, to tell you. I'm sure some of the reporters covering it knew it was a blatant lie and just went along with it because they wanted Proposal 3 to succeed. They know it's a blatant lie. Uh, but a lot of the voters didn't. They were confused because Proposal 3 is extremely confusing. So our mission is going to be to have to reach a critical mass of voters and tell them that, you know, this other side has zero contempt, has zero uh, belief in you as a human being and your ability to reason. They have utter contempt for you. They don't care what you think as long as you keep voting for them. They're going to keep abusing you abusing your trust and don't let them get away with it and we're going to have to direct enough outrage to stop some of these efforts and it's uh in order to overturn a constitutional amendment we would have to create our own constitutional amendment so in order to do that it's going to we're going to have to be able to convince enough voters that means building up a case that means things are going to have to get bad in michigan unfortunately before they get better and the question is going to be, what is rock bottom for Michigan voters? Uh, and uh, we're going to see. Lot. Clearly it's a lot. But if you voted for, if you're listening and you voted for Proposal 3 and you actually believe them that it was only going to affect the 1931 law and it was only going to codify Roe, I mean, you need to do some soul searching. You were lied to. You believed it. You voted for it. Now you personally and morally own all of the consequences that come as a result of that. So when they get rid of the 24-hour waiting period and women are shuttled into abortion facilities really quick and they come out, or as we've seen in the past, they say, no, I don't want to do this during the procedure and the abortionist slaps them and keeps doing it anyway. I mean, you own what happened to that woman and you own the fact that that abortionist is going to be able to keep operating without any consequence. 
when you are forcing other, you're gonna have to own the fact that you're gonna be forcing other people to pay for abortions, first through health insurance, and undoubtedly they'll come for our Medicaid ban um, on tax-funded abortions. So you're gonna own the fact that you're forcing people to violate their conscience and pay money to end the life of a human being. And there's a lot of pro-choice people who don't wanna do that themselves, but that is what you were voted, that's what you voted for, that's what you took the other side for their word at, their word is so worthless that you should not even listen to them anymore. So I mean, it's gonna be like the the video. I didn't know. It is. It's gonna be That's just exactly like that. right. I didn't know, or I didn't want to believe. Right. I mean, I've had convers- I had conversation with friends, uh, you know, who just you know, oh, that's that can't. That's not gonna happen. That can't. Yeah, it's going to Because it sounds too crazy to them. It sounds like no person would ever be that evil and want that or allow that to happen. Well, they're that evil. And not only are they that evil, they couldn't contain their glee for one day. They couldn't even wait a couple weeks or months to start. They're already starting the campaign right now to, to just dump all the loss. So keep that in mind. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We are coming out guns blazing, and we will keep you informed. And then it's up to you, the Michigan voters, to hold them accountable uh, and actually care whether or not they have any honesty with you in the, in the future. All right. Have a nice weekend. we got a lot of work to get back to next week.